Lord. We have some verses here in Colossians. Praise the Lord for the book of Colossians. Hopefully this weekend we will really appreciate this book so much more. Colossians 1, 9. Amen. Let's just go ahead and read Colossians 1 9. Therefore, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease praying and asking on your behalf that you may be filled with the whole knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Amen. 4 12. Chapter 4. Verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. And now back to chapter... 1, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you for a share of the allotted portion of the saints in the light. Let's read that verse again. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you for a share of the allotted portion of the saints in the light. And chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. For even though I am absent in the flesh, yet in the spirit I am with you, rejoicing and seeing your order and the solid basis of your faith in Christ. As therefore you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, walk in him having been rooted and being built up in him and being established in the faith, even as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Okay, saints, while Rick is getting the mic, here, go ahead and put that one on. We'll read the, uh, let's read the title of the, uh, this is actually the title of the conference. General subject. Yeah. General subject. Knowing and experiencing the all-inclusive, extensive Christ. Sister. Knowing and experiencing the all-inclusive, extensive Christ. Brother. Knowing and experiencing the all-inclusive, extensive Christ. <laughs> well, says how we thank the Lord. We could have this uh, weekend conference today and tomorrow, and I'm just so thankful to get to see you again, Amen. and um, I believe we'll have a wonderful, wonderful time together. Amen. Uh, the general subject that we have for the conference corresponds with that of the Thanksgiving conference, and these um, four sessions that we'll have will take four of the six sessions of the Thanksgiving conference. And 
and uh, give us a chance to uh, uh, look into these, look into these a little bit. Amen. So, um, dear saints, we um, uh, come in this uh, conference to uh, the book of Colossians. Now, Colossians is a book considered to be profound, rich, and deep in the revelation of Christ. And um, the uh, revelation of Christ in Colossians and in the other books is not merely for us to have a realization regarding said revelation, but is to take us into a corresponding level of experience. Amen. So for Colossians to be perhaps the deepest of Paul's epistles, the one most rich and profound in the revelation of Christ, and with the realization that this revelation is to bring us into deeper experience, we can right away begin to see that God's intention in giving us this book is not just that we would hold the points of the revelation presented in, in Colossians, but that this book would bring us and introduce us into a deep experience of Christ. Amen. And so as we continue on in the uh, sequence of the Speaking of the Lord's Recovery, you remember that we in the Memorial Day Conference had the speaking on the experience and enjoyment of Christ in Philippians. And this, this book now will take that experience and bring us further into it. Amen. Now, regarding, regarding this experience of Christ that we have in Colossians, I'd like to, I'd like to mention to you four uh, items. I mentioned four just so you can keep track of them. The first is that the general subject speaks of the all-inclusive, extensive, knowing and experiencing the, the all-inclusive and extensive Christ. So the first point is, the first point is that there's a relationship for the experience of Christ for him to have, for him to be all-extensive. In the New Testament, there are a number of books that speak of Christ in his all-inclusivity. So in the Gospels, we have, we have the Gospel of Matthew, we have the Gospel of John. In the Epistles, we have the Epistle to the first, the first epistle, epistle to the Corinthians. We have the Epistle to the Hebrews, and we have Revelation. But among these, among these books that speak of the all-inclusivity of Christ, only Colossians, only Colossians speaks to us about his all-extensivity. So he is all-inclusive in Colossians, but he's also all-extensive. Now, a secret here is that we would like to know him as the all-inclusive one, know him in a deeper way in his all-inclusiveness. <clears throat> and what provision would the Lord have for us to go on further in our experience of him as the all-inclusive one? And it turns out, that a help to us, an important provision for us, is to realize that he is not only all-inclusive, but that he is all-extensive. So regarding this, regarding this, an important, an important initial point is, for him to be 
all-inclusive, has an important um, experiential aspect. So I could ask today, is he all-inclusive in your, in your experience? Is he all-inclusive? Yes. So for him to be all-inclusive in our experience implies that he should include you. So experientially, experientially, for him to be all-inclusive indicates that he should experientially include you. So I would ask you, I would ask you, experientially, today, did he in, include you? Well, he does doctrinally, but whether he does experientially may be a bit of another question. And so here's the, here's the, the wonderful key for our experience. When we realize that he is all extensive, we place ourselves experientially in our own consciousness of where we are and who we are and what our living is. We place ourselves in him, in him. So saints, once we place ourselves in him, this implies our living. This implies uninterrupted experience. And so you can see that when we have an extensive experience of Christ, and in our, in our session this morning, we will see that as we have him as our good land and realize that we are in him as our good land, this causes our experience of him to broaden in a wonderful way. Amen. So in our experience of him as the all-inclusive one, we often encounter in our daily living certain aspects of need, certain aspects of need. Right. So we may, uh, we may have uh, this morning awoken and felt a little, a little tired, and so we may have said, Lord Jesus, I need you. Amen. I need you to be my strength, Amen. my vitality, Amen. my living. Amen. And what did he do? He came in Amen. to be that, to be exactly that to us. Amen. And we, we may have said, thank you, Lord. You're my vitality. You're my strength. You're my wherewithal. And then from there, we went to the breakfast table, ate our breakfast, and went off. From there, and um, we may have had him wane in our sense of our need for him. And after a period of time, of course, we're just starting the day here together, but in a typical day, after a period of time, we may reach a point where we have another realization 
Lord, I need you to be my adeptness in dealing with my coworkers. Lord, be my patience. Be my insight. And what happened? We found that the Lord was our patience and our insight. And then we went on and dealt with our coworkers according to our learned capacities and skills. And so thus, thus is our typical daily experience of the Lord. We find him, we find him as a wonderful resource. As our precious Lord who lives within us, we can call on him, enjoy him and apply him. But saints, our experience of our dear Lord is intended to be beyond this. He's all-inclusive as the one we can call upon to meet any need that we have. But when he's all-extensive, when he's all-extensive, and we find that, yes, even we, our experience, our living, is held and kept and cradled in, in him and a consciousness of him, he becomes not only inclusive to us, but he, come, he becomes extensive to us. And so, saints, as we're uh, passing through the um, four sessions of our conference, we will take Colossians from this particular point of view, which I believe will open the book to us, give us another perspective upon it, in which we'll, we'll see not just that he's all-inclusive, but that he's all-extensive for the sake of bringing us into an enlarging, deepening, ever-richer experience of him. So a secret, saints, is that as we realize that he is all-extensive, his all-inclusivity broadens to us. Is, is, is applied more fully, and we come to, we come to have a deepened, a deepened and enriched experience of him. So um, the next point, saints, that I'd like to point out is from message one of this conference, which we don't have time to cover today because we only have, uh, today and tomorrow, we only have four sessions, and there were six in the conference. But this is to point out the wondrous matter that the will of God is the subject of the book of Colossians. So we read these two verses, Colossians 1.9, in which Paul prayed that the Colossians would be filled with the knowledge of his will. This is after a few introductory words, the beginning of the book. Then at the, at the conclusion of the book in chapter 4, verse 12, he refers to the fact and, and points out to the Colossians the fact that they, their co-worker and, and apostle to them, Epaphras, prayed that they would also no, arrive at, a full no, at the full knowledge of his will. Put these two verses together, and we find out 
that Colossians is a book on the will of God. Now, this is, this is wonderful in itself, but let us apply this, let us apply this to the all-extensivity of Christ. If he, in our experience, is to be not only all-inclusive, but is to be all-extensive, to take us into a new kind of level of our experience of him, and that this extensive experience is the subject of the book of, of Colossians, and Colossians is a book on the will of God, then we have an opening here, what God's will is for us. What is God's will for us? God's will for us is that we would arrive at the all-extensive Christ in our experience, that we would have an experience of Christ that goes beyond our resourcing him when needed for certain, certain junctures and, and certain challenges, but that we would have a large, expanding, encompassing, full experience of Christ. So dear saints, the Lord, in his speaking to his recovery, would like to have this, would like us to arrive at this. So saints, we're, we're pursuing that together this weekend. So Colossians is a book that has a certain, so the, the next point is that there is in Colossians a line, a line of um, verses that constitute a line of revelation that shows us that this book is on the all-inclusive Christ experienced extensively by us. And so we read a couple of these verses, and we'll um, get into these shortly, but we have some others. So in Colossians, in Colossians, we have chapter 1, verse 10, which indicates that Paul, opening this book, said that we should have a worthy walk unto all pleasing. A worthy walk unto all pleasing. And this worthy walk unto all pleasing precedes chapter 1, verse 12. Two verses later, where it says that we have received, we, we, are all, we have been qualified by God to, to receive the, uh, to receive Christ as our allotted portion, the allotted portion of the saints in the light. This allotted portion, as we'll see this morning, refers to the fact that Christ is to be the ground, the territory, the living, the enclosure, the place, the place where we live, just as God's Old Testament people lived on, on the good land. Now, we are to, are to have a realization that we are living in Christ as our, as our good land. This is, this is in verse 12. In verse 18, it tells us that this Christ, 
this Christ is to have the preeminence in all things. This one who is this one who is our allotted portion, our allotted portion, and our good land is to is to have the first place in all things. So uh, <clears throat> we'll have this afternoon a session devoted devoted to this, and we will see that for him to have preeminence in all things is an extensive matter. It is a matter that involves a universe of experience. And this universe of experience comprehend, comprehends, involves, involves everything that's involved with us. Everything that we say and do is to involve him and are holding him in the frame of preeminence. We'll see that when we have him preeminent in our living, then God has a way to make him preeminent in the entire universe. Amen. So this becomes something quite extensive. So Colossians 1, 18 and, and the supporting verses there, uh, verses 15 and 17, are also verses on his, on his being extensive. Then we have verses uh, 6 and 7. Verse 6 says, Therefore, as you have received the Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. For us to walk in him refers to his being, being the land and indicates that our living is to, is to involve an expansive experience of Christ in whom we walk and that this one in whom we live and walk is one in whom we're rooted. We're rooted. Again, implying that he is the good land to us. Then after this, then, then after this, we have uh, Colossians chapter uh, 2, verse 10, which says that we have been made full in him. We've been made full in him. This verse places us again in him. We will see this tomorrow morning. Then in, in chapter 2, verses uh, 16 through 18, we see that he is the reality of all the shadows. And as the reality of all the shadows, he is involved in our entire living situation. This is also an expansive experience. Then finally, in chapter 3, verse 10, verses 10 and 11, we have the fact that as we experience Christ extensively, we also experience him inclusively. Amen. He is the new man in verse 11. He is the one new man in whom Christ is all, including all those, all the members of the new man, and Christ is in all the members of the new man. You'll notice in this, in this verse it points out that his being in us, in our realization, follows our being in him, the one in whom, the one who is, who is, who is all. So we'll, we'll, pass through, we'll pass through this line. We'll pass through this line in our, in our four sessions. And uh, saints, let us... Uh, 
as in Ephesians 3.18, let us be those who are pursuing Amen. the dimensions of the expansive, extensive Christ as we look at Colossians in this line, session by session, and see that our experience of him is to expand to the point that it is full and extensive. Okay, let's go to our outline now. Roman number one says, Christ as the preeminent and all-inclusive one is the allotted portion of the saints. So uh, as we read, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you for a share of the allotted portion of the saints in the light. Here the Greek word for portion actually is lot. And so this sense of lot is included with the adjective allotted here, this, this lot refers to the fact that each of the 12 tribes of Israel was given a section of the good land. Then among those tribes, every family, every family and every saint had, every family and every member of that family had a particular part of that lot. So everyone who was, who was among Israel was qualified to have a tract, a dwelling place in, on the good land in which they could live. They could work, they could sustain themselves, they could enjoy, and they could have their entire living there on the good land. A says, the allotted portion refers to the lot of the inheritance as illustrated by the allotted allotment of the good land of Canaan given to the children of Israel for their inheritance. And this is referred to in Joshua 14.1. Now point B says, the New Testament believer's allotted portion is not a physical land. It is the all-inclusive Christ as the life-giving spirit. Amen. So dear saints, here, uh, this is a very, very uh, crucial, crucial point here. Um, our reference verse here is uh, Galatians 3.14, which refers to the fact that <clears throat> the spirit, the blessed spirit, the blessing of the spirit is the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham as his blessing. That blessing, that blessing was in particular the good land, indicating that the spirit now, Christ in resurrection, is to be the good land for us. Saints, this is filled, filled with implication. We are to live with a realization and a sensation that we are living in Christ as the spirit who is our good land upon whom we're living. Now, when we're conscious of this, this changes our daily experience and has a way to cause the Lord to be with us 
and our conscious frame in all the things that we do. Now, when <clears throat> the other reference verse here is, is the verse we read, um, Colossians 2.6. Colossians 2.6 says, as you have received the Christ, referring to our regeneration. Then the second verse, Galatians 3.14, says that this Christ is now the spirit as the good land. So we have received in our regeneration into our spirit the Christ who is the spirit, the good land. Amen. So when we, when we are reminded to contact him and we call on him and whisper his name, Lord Jesus. We contact, thus we contact our, let's see, how should I say this? I have my spirit, I have my spirit, then I contact my spirit, and my spirit becomes our spirit. My spirit becomes our spirit, the spirit which is the expansive, extensive, good land. And, and as a result, I can have the realization and must have the realization that what I am doing, what I'm involved with, is, is transpiring in Christ as the spirit as my good land. Now, this point says that this is not, obviously, a physical land. Rather, it's a spirit land. Now, Song of Songs 2.12 says, figuratively speaking, that this land that we received when we were regenerated and that now we touch, it says, is our land. It says we are our land. This important inclusion in the, in the Old Testament that our spirit is now our land indicates that for the Lord to be our land is a matter of our relationship with him. Amen. So how do we how do we experience and enjoy the all extensive one who has come into us as the all inclusive spirit to be to be our good land? Well we have to realize that this spirit, this good land, is not a physical land. It's our land in which we engage with the Lord. So here's a 
brief definition. What is the good land? What is our land? Our land is the spousal relationship between God and man in a now reciprocated, divinely initiated affection. If I could say that again. <laughs> what is the good land, which is the spirit we received when we were regenerated? It is, it is the spousal relationship between God and man in the now reciprocated affection that is divinely initiated. In other words, when we come to contact the Lord, who indwells us as this good land, as the Spirit, we respond to him with romantic intent and match the romantic intent that he had when he came into us. And now we engage with him there with feeling of affection and find ourselves in the good land of the consummated spirit in a tone and atmosphere of divine affection. Amen. Now, you may think this is my idea, <laughs> but actually, the books of the Pentateuch, the books of poetry, the major prophets, and the minor prophets all speak about the good land with this kind of a sensation. Saints, for us to realize this is like discovering the missing ingredient in your diet that's causing you to emaciate and fade away because you don't have the, the, the crucial ingredient. If we don't have this sense regarding the Lord as the indwelling good land, we lose feeling, we lose motivation to live in this land. But so, so this, is, this is not the land, this is our land. Amen. So Isaiah 62, 4 and 5 uh, are verses that refer to this. Uh, as do, as I said, uh, many others. Another one is uh, Leviticus 25, 23. Hey, what's up, guys? A couple of... So we'll go on now to um, point C, uh, no, sorry, uh, Roman numeral 2, and elaborate on this ago when further. I... 
Point two says, the purpose of God's calling is to bring God's chosen people into the enjoyment of the all-inclusive extensive Christ, typified by the good land flowing with milk and honey. So, just as God's will is, in Colossians, that we would experience the all-extensive Christ, in the Old Testament, the calling out of God's people was to call them out of Egypt into the experience of the good land flowing with milk and honey in Ephesians, in Ephesians 3.8. So this, of course, should, should touch us. Our calling as the fulfill, fulfillment of God's Old Testament people is, is the same. As, as indicated by 1 Corinthians 1.9, we have been called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The into here in 1 Corinthians 1, 9 refers to the fact that from eternity, God placed us into Christ so that we would enjoy fellowship with him, which involves mutual partaking and participation in, enjoy, in enjoyment. Now, the important thing here that uh, we have is that this good land is a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, this term, flowing with milk and honey, tends to be one that we're somewhat accustomed to and uh, don't think much about. But consider a land flowing with milk and honey. This land flowing with milk and honey, is the all-inclusive, indwelling spirit that when contacted by you, receives you into himself as the personal place for you to live in a sensation of flowing milk and honey. This, this uh, not sure I've gotten the impression across here. You remember that uh, <clears throat> in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 15, it refers to milk and honey. Referring to the Lord Jesus in his living on the earth. And after, in verse 14, his incarnation is prophesied, in verse 15 it says that he will, he will know how to choose, that is, how to live. He'll know how to choose. He'll know how to live because, because he will eat milk and honey, well, cur curds and honey. And so... The Lord lived in a good land in which he had the ongoing registration in his uninterrupted fellowship with the Father that he was enjoying milk, that is butter, as the richest grace and honey as the richest love, as the sweetest love, as the sweetest love as the way for him to live. 
Now, how about us? We were called, we were called to live in Christ as the Spirit, as our good land, with a sensation that we're enjoying Him as milk and honey. The sweetest grace, the richest love, and this becomes something that we sense. Herein is the importance of the extensive experience of Christ. When we realize that we are living in his wonderful person and we are interacting in a personal way with him, in way of affection, and our living has this kind of a tone to it, our experience of him advances, indescribably advances. This registration, this sensation becomes like the jet fuel that propels our experience of him to a higher level. Just imagine you're at your office, and as you're at your office, the sensation in your office is flowing milk and honey. Amen. Richest grace, sweetest love, personalized and made specific as you experience aspects of Christ as you interact with your coworkers and carry out your daily routine. This experience of Christ is what we've been called to enjoy. Now, A says, milk and honey, which are the mingling of both the animal life and the vegetable life, are two aspects of the life of Christ, the redeeming aspect and the generating aspect. So, yes, it's background information for us that milk involves a mingling of the animal and plant life as the bovine species eat grass, right? And honey also involves animal and plant life mingled together. The animal and the plant life represent two aspects of our, of our experience of Christ, the redeeming aspect and the regenerating aspect, showing that the land flowing with milk and honey is a land in which we fully experience God's salvation. God's full salvation is experienced in the frame of the all-extensive Christ. If we are experiencing, if we are experiencing him uh, only at junctures, at junctures, this is not yet the full experience. <coughs> But the full experience is the extensive experience, which is, which is the land flowing with milk and honey, in which we have these, these two aspects. Point two under A points out that the unspeakable significance of the Lord's table is that 
perhaps in the most broad and inclusive understanding of what it signifies and what it represents, is that it represents our experience of the all-extensive Christ as the good land. So, when we enjoy the Lord's table tomorrow, oh, may we have this, have this realization that this, this indicates that we, day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, find ourselves not only experiencing Christ inclusively, but also extensively throughout our days, composing our week, so that when we come together on, the, on, on, on Lord's Day, the first day of the week, what we do at the Lord's table, taking him as the bread and the wine, is representative of a whole week of taking him as our feast, our good land. So the bread, <clears throat> the bread has the aspects of judicial redemption, his body broken for us. Of the regenerating life, the life released in his resurrection through his death on the cross. The same with a cup. The cup represents judicial redemption, the fact that it represents his blood poured out for us for the remission of our sins, but also it represents the regenerating aspect of our salvation because it's, it's our portion, the cup of blessing that we take. So what is our Christian life? Our Christian life is a life in which we experience judicial redemption, organic salvation as represented by the bread and wine, as also represented by the milk and honey, suggesting that our entire Christian life is to, is to be a life of experiencing the all-extensive Christ. Wonderful. Point B says, we must be in the light in order to enjoy the all-inclusive Christ as the good land in his redeeming and generating aspects. Now, surely Christ within us is light, but recall that um, light, light, refers to, refers to an enclosure, a realm. And so in 1 John 1, 5, that realm is God himself. So God is light, and then two verses later, it says we walk in the light. What is it for us to walk in the light? It's for us to walk in God. And this walk in God is to, is to have the extensive experience of him where he's our good land. He's our good land. And so it's when we have him as our good land for extensive experience that the items that we have listed here are actually light, are, are ours. Ours. We have... We have God as light, the word as light, Christ as light, the life of Christ as light, and one another as light, and the church as light. When? When are these things light to us? They're light when, they're light when, we realize that we are to be experiencing the all-extensive Christ 
as our good land. As a result, we contact him, having a sense of need, having a sense of longing, having a sense of uh, enjoying him in the tone of our sweet and nourishing milk and honey, affectionate relationship with him, and then as, we, as we're in him, everything is light. So a particular aspect of light that we need today is we need to be enlightened that our experience of him is to be all extensive. Is to be all extensive. So again, saints, uh, God's calling in Ephesians 3, um, in Exodus 3 8, was to experience him as the good land flowing with milk and honey. Our calling as New Testament believers, called into the fellowship of him, is to have him, have him involved with us in all of the aspects, in all the details of our living. So the exciting thing about our conference this weekend is that as we proceed through the, through the, through the sessions, we'll see that we have particular guidance particular help into how we enter into this, how we work this out. Now let's go on to point, uh, Roman numeral three. Roman numeral three says, we can walk in Christ as our living land Amen. and absorb Christ as our rich soil in which we have been rooted so that we may grow with the elements that we absorb from the soil. So once again, Colossians 2.6 says what? As, there, there, as therefore you have received the Christ, walk in him. So, was Paul just being flowery here when he said walk in him? Was he being metaphorical? No. He was being very exact, precise, and literal in that we are to walk in him. The realization that we are to walk in him then becomes something that can govern us in our waking hours, even govern us in our dreams. We can walk in him, and when we walk in him, he is to us not only the all-inclusive Christ, but the all-extensive Christ in whom all his riches are accessed by us. So, the first few words of this verse I'd like to spend a few moments on. It says, as therefore you have received the Christ. Now, have we all received the Christ? Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> of course, if we have received the Christ, then please let us know. <laughs> As, as therefore we have received the Christ. Now, grammatically, grammatically, uh, <clears throat> the word, the words, as therefore you have received the Christ, refer to our regeneration. Am I right? And can be taken in a couple of different ways. One way it can be taken is that, as you have received, that is. 
in the same way, in the same way that you have received. So this precedes the words walk in him. So this is, this is a help in terms of how do we walk in him? Amen. How do we walk in him? We walk in him as we received him. And as we continue our experience, return to and continue our experience as we received him, then we walk in him. Amen. So how did we re receive him? Yeah. How did we receive him, right? When we received him, when we received him, we had a revelation of him through his word, through someone speaking or through a tract or through the word itself. Our heart was opened and turned to him. He came into us and we contacted him and we began to have interpersonal, interplay, enjoyment with him. Do you remember that experience? Wasn't it the turning point of your life? Amen. Wasn't it <clears throat> incredible? Uh, probably most of you I've never gotten to share my regeneration experience with. But when I received the Lord, I just don't have words to describe how my narrow, stinted universe and sense and experience got broadened, got broadened. Did you see light when you were regenerated? Well, when I got regenerated, everything got bright. Everything got bright and shiny. Everything got splendorous and shimmering. When I got regenerated, I realized, uh, I realized, wow, everything's different now. Yes, and I ha had the experience of, of uh, being struck with the vividness of colors, the freshness of the of the air, the being carried away and floaty and all these things. Well, as you received Christ Jesus, we are to walk in him. And so for us to walk in him means that, means that, yes, we return to have a, a turned heart, a heart turned toward him again, contact him again as we did when we, we were regenerated, and walk in him that way. Now, can we apply this? Can we experience this? When we, when we do this, as I said earlier, my spirit becomes our spirit, becomes the vast spirit, 
the spacious spirit, the good land spirit, the relationship spirit, the milk and honey spirit, and we just, with this truth before us, exercise our spirit of faith in our contact with him, and we find out that the universe, we, and others are different. So notice the word therefore in verse 6. As therefore you have received the Christ, Jesus the Lord, so also walk in him. The word therefore refers to verse 5. Do you remember we read verse 5? Do you remember basically what it said? Have you noticed this little verse as a verse on the line of extensiveness of Christ in Colossians? Where Paul says, absent from you in the flesh, and actually, as he said another place in the book, you have never seen me with your eyes, nor I you. Absent with you in the flesh, I am with you in spirit, and impressed with your spirit of faith, and your order in Christ. So Paul had this experience. This was an experience of the territorial, extensive Christ experienced through his contact with the Lord in his spirit as when he was regenerated, entering into a sphere of experience where he could have experiences that he didn't have before of the other saints and of the universal body of Christ. These experiences are ours, are ours when, as we received him, we continue the same way, turn our heart to him, walk in him, and we can have, we can have our living here this way. Now, the second, the second implication of this verse, or another implication of this verse, is that as you have received the Christ, Jesus the Lord, the Lord so also walk in him, as here can mean because, okay, not only in the same way as, as you received him, but because you have received him, it's obligatory. As you have received him, therefore, walk in him. In other words, don't fall short. Don't miss the experience. Don't just have a quasi-experience of Christ, enter into the full experience of him, all extensively by walking in him as you received him. Now, a sweet aspect of this that Brother Lee shares is that you have received the Christ, and now to walk in him, you continue in that receiving. Now, when you receive something, if you're going to receive it, receiving it involves figuring out what you're going to do with it, where you're going to put it. So if I offer you a bottle of water, 
you may look around and see, well, if I'm not going to drink it now, where's my pocket, where's my purse, where am I going to put it? If I give you a table, you might say thank you very much, but then after receiving it, you have to, you have to decide, where am I going to put that table? Do I have room in my car? In my house? Where's it going to go? Well, what if I gave you a jet plane? If you're going to receive it, you have to have some consideration. Where are you going to park it? Where are you going to put it? Are you going to fly it? Right? Right. So, you have received the Christ. This Christ is the, according to Galatians 3.14, is the consummated spirit as the good land. So as you've received him, you have to consider, what are you going to do with him? Where are you going to put him, quote unquote? How are you going to handle him? Are you going to <clears throat> leave him as the one you've received un, um, unnoticed, unused, unapplied? Well, what this means is that we have to walk with the realization that from the time of our regeneration, we received Christ as the good land in which we can have our entire living consciously. And so with that consideration, we can have a new view of every day. Lord, today, more milk and honey. Lord, today, more sensation of my living in you. Lord, today, more walking in you. Okay? So, <clears throat> yes, so we can walk in Christ as our living land and absorb Christ as our rich soil in which we've been rooted so that we may grow with the elements that we absorb from the soil. Now, in the succeeding points under A, we have the amazing exposition of verses 8 through 15 of Colossians chapter 2, where we see that all of the incredible achievements and aspects of Christ in his person and work are actually part of him as the good land into which we've been rooted from the time of our regeneration and which can be absorbed by us. So for us to walk or involved in our walking in Christ as the good land, there is something that goes before that and that is, that is that we are rooted in him. So the words in Colossians 2.6 are, having been, having been rooted in him. So having been rooted in him is a prerequisite for our walking in him as 
in the way in which we were regenerated. So when we were regenerated, he was planted into us, and we were rooted into him. Now, a big tree has two kinds of roots, big roots and small roots. Big roots are structural, and they hold, say for a tree, they hold the tree in place and keep it from toppling, from falling over. These big roots, as you know, just as the branch system above, divides into smaller and smaller branches, likewise with the roots. And so the structural roots that hold, that hold the tree up give rise to smaller and smaller roots, which have absorptive surfaces that are able to bring nutrients out of the soil into the tree. So we now, having been rooted in Christ, have two kinds of roots. And we need to develop two kinds of roots. The first root system that we need to develop is structural roots. That means that we need to, these structural roots can be considered our placement, our realization that we are rooted in Christ. And thus able to, to walk in him. The smaller roots, the smaller roots that are absorptive are what are needed for us to be able to receive from him uh, the various experiences that are uh, listed in verses 8 through 15. So in point one, <clears throat> one nutrient in the soil is the fact that he is the one in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. So when we have the experience of Christ as our good land, on whom, upon whom we're walking and we're rooted in him, and we're absorbing something, we'll see tomorrow morning that we're absorbing all that he is as the very God in the divine Godhead. Secondly, we receive him. We receive him as our head and the one who has rulership over us. In verse, in verse 10, he's the one who had, who's the head of all rule and authority in whom we have been made full. Then he's also, he's also the one who, in whom we're circumcised. Our flesh is put to death in 3 under A. In point 4, we can be buried. There's, there's an element of our being buried there. Point 5, we also are strengthened and raised up. 6, we're vivified. 7, we're no longer subject to ordinances which take us away from the experience of him. And eight, we're no longer subject to the evil spirits in the, in the atmosphere. So these things, without our necessarily having, having awareness of them, are ours as we, through our mingled spirit, are able to contact him in our spirit, and then in the principle of our regeneration, 
are able to, having been rooted, absorb from him the virtue and the, the effect of each one of these elements. Point B says then, we must take time to enjoy the Lord as the all-inclusive land so that all the elements of Christ as the rich soil may be absorbed into us for us to be made full in our experience. So point one says, if we would absorb the riches of Christ as the soil, we need to have tender new roots. And two, we need to forget our situations, our condition, our failures and weaknesses, and simply take time to absorb the Lord. So saints, when we uh, when it comes to our absorption, our taking, our taking of Him, uh, our absorption of Him is um, not so healthy. A healthy plant, if you, have, if you have a little garden or you have a little greenhouse, a healthy plant is one which is continuously under the sunshine, receiving, receiving nutrients from the soil, and it's continually growing. Now, how often are we absorbing? You know, whenever we, uh, whenever we, as I mentioned earlier, sense a need and call on the Lord, <clears throat> touching Him once again, newly and freshly, we absorb something of Him. But if a plant were to absorb just in the morning time only, or once a week, it wouldn't be so healthy. But so regarding our absorption, our absorbing from him as the rich soil in whom we're rooted so that we can walk in him, we could have, uh, we could describe two R's. Two R's. The first R is rescue. So when, uh, when we feel we're getting wilted as a plant and we sense we need resuscitation, we can contact him and call upon him and we get rescued from a situation of dryness. But back to the, the land being a land of milk and honey, yeah. a land of uh, fresh enjoyment of the Lord in romance. As we hold the Lord in a romantic frame, allow him to draw us to himself. Care for more contact with him and enjoy him. The root hairs are activated. 
our absorption can be more and more and more and more. And eventually, eventually, we can be those who have root hairs that are fine in the sense not only of our having time set aside where we take time to behold him, but also from those times that we, we send roots out into more and more of our daily experiences, more and more of our involvements until we're always absorbing, always absorbing. For us to always be absorbing him as plants that are rooted into him is an aspect of our experience of him as the all-extensive one as our good land. Well, so, saints, um, for him to be all extensive to us in this way, Paul first introduces that he is our good land. After this, he shows us that we can enjoy him as our good land by his becoming preeminent to us, by his becoming the reality of all the shadows, and by his becoming to us the one who we know personally as the mystery of God. So we'll, we'll develop these in, in the subsequent sessions. And so, um, saints, may we... Uh, Realize that the Lord is calling us, calling us to an experience of him where, where he not only is certain things to us, but he's, that he's everything to us. And that his all-inclusivity includes involves our, our not subtracting from his all-inclusivity, but are being included in his all-inclusivity. That is that we find ourselves and place ourselves in the experience of him, having a realization that we're in him and placing ourselves in him uh, in a more and more fine way, walking, walking in him. Then we have the experience of our allotted portion, the saints in the light, and we walk in him as our good land. Well, we'll conclude here then. And um, shall we um, pray together? Pray together. Let's pray together for a moment, and then we'll have, a, have an opportunity for you to respond.